And right. we are back. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm really enjoying, I guess this will be part two, episode two of the discussion. And I just want to say thank you. I really uh, appreciate you. You're welcome. The you're welcome. It's not just about me, but you're sharing your thoughts and beliefs, and I value that. So I, yeah. I appreciate you. Uh, I love you for coming yeah. on, helping thank me you. out. You're welcome. I love so you too. Continue to build. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what we're going to do. 100%. Ooh, all right, so... What did you kind of want to discuss on part two? I just want to, if you have any more questions, you feel free. You, even if you, if it's something that's off the script, you just want to, you want to hit me with it. Some questions. I want to go, I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that that took place throughout the journey, but Mm -hmm. go ahead, feel free. I actually... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you good. I actually wanted to know, was there any person in particular that really inspired you to want to be a teacher? Juice. Juice. My big cousin, Juice. Um, I can say so many things about uh, the brother. I got so much uh, love and respect for him. Mm-hmm. Juice, he taught me how to ride a bike, like so this 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 is the story of how mm-hmm. I, so I don't remember exactly how old I was, but this is one of the first memories that I have with my cousin Juice mm-hmm. and his older brother. So they were trying to show me. They were like, "Man, you can't be out here riding around with the training wheels on. We don't do that." Right. So I was on the bike. My cousin Juice and his brother they came down. They took the wheels off. So Uh-oh. they were trying to hold it. I was pedaling. I kept the bike kept tipping over. I was getting frustrated with it. I'm like, man, I can't, I can't get this. So I got frustrated. Like I said, I went inside my grandmother's house. This all happened in my in my grandmother's backyard. So, like, like I said, I grew up in the country. There was my grandmother's house. There was my parents' house, and then there was Juice, his grandparents, his grandmother's house. So we were all right there together, especially on the weekends. I spent so many weekends uh, throwing the football with Juice, having conversations. He was my older cousin. So I remember asking, I was like, man, you think I can play uh, middle school football? I was just in elementary school because I knew he already had that experience. So like I said, with the, the situation with the bike, went inside the house, slammed the door probably. And I remember taking a nap and... When I woke up, I was like, I got it. I know how to do this. It was like all them showing me or whatever it was. I don't know. It was that nap. It had sunk in to my head. I felt I was confident. Walked out the house, picked up the bike, got on it, just started pedaling. So I ran up the hill. I was like, cuz, cuz, come look at this. I know how to do it. So got on the bike and I showed my cousin that I knew how to ride a bike. And that's where it really started. So he went to the University of South Carolina, Buford. Mm -hmm. He was an education major, early childhood education major. And he teaches third. Okay. He is definitely the biggest influence. Like once I became interested 
and I knew that, okay, I'm going to do this in education. I could look to him because he already set the bar so high. He won teacher of the year. I okay. knew that he was someone who was making an impact. Done. Yes, already making an impact. He's already done what I am striving to do. So the same way that I learned how to ride a bike after him, I'm now learning how to teach, but it'll be different. I'm not saying that I'm going to teach just like him because mm -hmm. everyone has what makes them unique, yes. but he definitely the one who inspires me, motivates me, and it's all love. Wow, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful, Marcus. Um, well, I'm trying to think of another, well, we can kind of, we can kind of make part two into a really long icebreaker. Those who are in college or they know when the teacher on the first day of class always, always is like, let's do icebreakers and you're going to say your name, you're going to say your major, you're going to say this, 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 this. So we're going to kind of make this go that, that route. Is that okay with you? That's fine. Okay, perfect. Okay. So do you like to read? Yes. Do you think books have a really have, have a hard impact on on not just people but people of color and the fact that you don't see a lot of people who look like you and I or they hate reading they only feel like they have to read when they're forced to read and then you know when you get in a classroom setting and the teacher's telling you to read a paragraph they're stumbling on the simplest words. What do you think about the whole discussion of books and how they play such a key role in our development? Okay, I can speak for me personally. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go into our people. So okay. reading has made me a better writer. Absolutely. Reading has expanded my dialect as far as talking. Um, reading is essential Yes. as far as empowering our people. There is so much knowledge hidden from us in books. And I would even take it a step farther and say that Black people don't necessarily not like to read, but it is the content of the books that they were, that was placed into their hands at a mm -hmm. young age that they didn't enjoy reading about. Because when they received that history book and they flipped through the pages and they saw this white explorer here, this white explorer there, this white president here, this white president there, this white governor here, this white senator there, there was nothing there except for some Negroes and chains. Mm -hmm. That's all they displayed our people as, as damn slaves. So when you look at content like that, what, what more do I want to read? That It's right. all right here in this small section, this small chapter of slavery. That is what is about my people. Why, why would I want to read that content? And if we go back to slavery, we know that reading was illegal. Mm 
So mm-hmm. reading is a very touchy, sensitive issue among our people. Mm-hmm. We have to get those books. I know while I was at South Carolina State, we had this event called the Banned Books. So these were like books that... That were banned? Yes. Right? Okay. Pretty much blacklisted. You wouldn't just find them in the libraries. Mm-hmm. I'm about to books, Google that right now. It's books like are really life-changing. I know for me, yeah. Elijah Muhammad, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad message to the black man, most powerful book I ever read in my life, mm-hmm. hands down. So reading is definitely important. Yeah, I'm sitting here actually looking at a list of different works that have been banned. And I see The Color Purple by Alice Walker. I see Beloved by Toni Morrison, which is probably one of my favorite authors of all time, especially in African-American literature. I really love her writing. I think she is was such a powerful writer and she really wasn't afraid to take a topic that was so taboo. She was, she was the one that would go there. And, and Toni Morrison was a, a great author, like absolutely. you said, a great sister. And that was actually the Band Books event was based around her. Are you serious? I had a professor and he selected some students to go over and speak on a panel at Claflin uh, University. Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity. I wanted to take it. I did it. And I went and stood up in front of everybody and talked about the impact Mm -hmm that the most honorable Elijah Muhammad had on my life and the way his books have been banned, the way that there is this black shadow or black lips, whatever you want to call it, on the nation of Islam, on the great teacher, the honorable minister, Louis Farrakhan, who is a spiritual father to me. He definitely raised me up. Um, and that ain't no disrespect to my, my biological father. It's, it's actually a compliment because the, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has done so much for him. And I would be disrespectful to not acknowledge him, to not acknowledge the light within him that has really shined upon me. And I just have to acknowledge it. Yeah. So I stood up in front of the... <laughs> the the group and I spoke about the nation of Islam I was not a member of the nation of Islam at this time my professor where it got back to my professor not the professor that selected me for this he loved it but I had this other professor she was an English professor and she was kind of encouraging students to go to the to the band books now she was actually a black Muslim as well she was Native American, indigenous, so she was already tapped in. So mm-hmm. when word got back to her of exactly what I said, she said, Marcus, that was a, a nice speech you gave, but I hope you know either they're going to love it or they might kick you out of school for kick what you, you said. For it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how that went, but it was definitely a, a great experience. And I'm not afraid to to tell the truth. 
whether it's five people in the room, 500 people, I'm going to stand on what I believe in. I'm not compromising. I'm not bending. None of that. The truth is what the truth is, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to stand upon that. Yeah, and I think that's so important because I think a lot of people are afraid to live in their truth or explore the truth. I think people are afraid. And I feel like people who, people like us who have been marginalized for so long, they can't be afraid of who they truly are, discovering who they truly are. They can't be afraid of that. And that's why I love to read. And I feel like for me, books have played such a vital part of my life because I was one of those kids who, unlike all of my friends who were getting on my face and getting on Facebook at like 10 years old, I was still reading my Junie B. Jones books. (laughs) And I had no problem with it. I would literally go to the bookstore And I still do this at 21, almost 22. I will go to Barnes and Noble and have a ball. I will be in there for a good 45 minutes to an hour just looking at different books. And now that I'm older, I realize that a lot of the authors that I read when I was younger, they were white. Yeah. They were white. And I heard about, you know, this author. I heard about this Black author. But now that I am evolving as a black woman, I truly want to read works of literature from my people. And because I know that when it comes to historical fiction or historical events that really happen, they're going to give it to me straight. They're not going to whitewash it or they're not going to try to write about a black character from a different race's perspective because that's what you see. You see white authors writing historical fiction about characters of different races from how they perceive it. You get you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. I think that's what I see. And I was sitting there thinking for a second about one of my favorite books that's why when I I was truly glad that I discovered Toni Morrison in high school because here's how I discovered her funny story I was taking a AP AP language I was taking um AP literature AP English literature because it was my senior year I was taking that class and for the class we had to do a research paper based on the based on a book that we chose from the AP English list. So you had like a list of hundreds of books and you had to pick one book from that list. And so I see this book called Beloved and I'm like, hmm, let me go ahead and read that. I want to know what that is. So I pick the book, I read it and I'm blown away. I'm literally blown away. And when I heard there was a movie adaptation, I best believe I watched the movie adaptation because I'm one of those people where 
I read the book. I have to read the book first. I have to read the book first. Then I have to watch the adaptation, whether it's TV or show, movie or show. I have to. I have to. I just have to because I want to see what was changed. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because the book is always better. People can fight me. <laughs> the book is always going to be better because the book is going to have so much detail. Like, think about what's that book? Think about it by Stephen King, right? It is a thousand pages long, over a thousand pages long. And it part one and it part two are an hour to maybe two hours long, right? Because production, movie production is given a time constraint. So they can't put all of the book into the movie or else the movie is going to be like six hours long. Maybe 17 hours long based on how big that book was. But, you know, you just can't do it. You're so limited. And I think that books are so vital in society in general. They're just a true testament of how your imagination can go, how far your imagination can go. Like, I have so much respect for authors, regardless of their race, regardless of if they're black or white. They're the most creative people I've ever heard of in my life because they can literally write a story about two queer teenagers in love in one book, and then they can write a historical fiction about World War II in the next book. And then they can write a horror story about a woman who is given this strange inheritance from a man that she never knew. And she has to fight for that inheritance while people are trying to kill her. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to, you have to give them their props and you have to give them credit where credit is due. So yeah, I just, I love books. <laughs> I love books. I want to be one of those people where my bookshelf is filled with thousands of books and I will have no care in the world about what people think of me because I have a thousand books on my bookshelf. Definitely I a big library in the house. <laughs> yes, I want to have the big library in my house and I don't care what people think because at the end of the day, they're my books. They're my possessions. They're my prized possessions. I will value them with my life. But, oh, I mean, this kind of, it's, it's just crazy because you ever been in class and you had that one person growing up that was like, oh, I don't like reading. I don't like reading. Like, I hate it. I hate it. And to be honest, now that, after you said what you said about, you know, people seeing the same old thing, they were seeing the white man, the white man, the white man, the white woman, the white woman, the white woman, the slave in chains, you know what I'm saying? The white dog, the white dog, the white dog. The white dog, the white dog, exactly. I mean, animals got more love than we got. We would chill out. <laughs> we, we were property in chains. That's, that's, chill out. that's as far as it went for, for our people. But yeah. 
one thing that I don't want people to um, think that I am just a teacher because that's not, there is more to me than that. I would like to say that Mr. Faithful is kind of just a PKA. I get that from from the brother star, um, publicly known as. Uh, but more importantly, I'm just brother Marcus. That, Absolutely. That's first and foremost. I'd introduce, no matter who it is, I would introduce myself. I am brother Marcus, your brother. So when I'm talking to brothers and sisters within the community, they know that's, that's brother Marcus. That's brother Marcus. (laughs) And that that's on a ground level. It's not saying that I'm above you and you're beneath me. Exactly. We're on the same level. I'm your brother is, is brother Marcus. That's the approach. It's not, Oh, I'm a I'm a Muslim that's in the nation of Islam and my name is yada 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 or mm-hmm. I'm a teacher. Some people do that before they even tell you the name, they tell you these titles or who they think they are or who someone else gave them the ability to be. But no, yeah. I have to remain humble and true to myself and true to my people by telling them. I am Brother Marcus, and that's how I always come across, even when I'm in the streets. 100%, 100%. Now, Mr. Faithful, I'm curious, I'm really curious to know how you came up with that name for yourself. I'm, I'm really curious to know how that came to be. Okay, so the name Mr. Faithful, Mr obviously comes from the the call me mr aspect that's kind of what mr derived from Mm -hmm. but the faithful faithful faithfulness is is very important to me as a as a black man as a faithful black man as a a brother and as a part of the faithful black man association i am a hard carrying member you're certified you're certified sir most definitely Uh, (laughs) And it's something I'm passionate about. I'm not one of those people that's just joking around with it. It's something that I do joke around with as well, but it's not just all games and jokes. Like, I'm serious about the faithfulness. So that's kind of where the name came from, Mr. Faithful, putting that together. And when I heard it, I just, I was like, this is it. This this describes me. It. I'm Brother Marcus, but at the same time, I love Mr. Faithful, and I love who Mr. Faithful is becoming. Uh, I truly do. I'm comfortable in my skin. Uh, I definitely am. Um, Another thing I would say about it is that reading through the Quran as well as the Bible and reading the verses that speak on faithful and faithfulness it it all comes together it like it molds just like gel so it's mm-hmm. like that name had more power to it than i even originally imagined it's like it, it continued to grow and i hope it continues to grow i mean that's that's the goal but 
it's it's something special to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm actually just scrolling, looking through the Bible myself, and I'm just looking up verses that have the theme of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And I just pulled up this verse from First Corinthians ten thirteen. And it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Hmm. Exactly. I love Yeah. (laughs) I just recently shared it and it it truly speaks to my life because Mm -hmm. I've had trial after trial but I have never folded I have always stood tall and through everything there was always a way out it may not have been what I wanted or I thought I needed at the time Mm -hmm. but there was definitely a way out absolutely I kind of want to go ahead yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say I want to um, also speak on the agricultural project that me and my brother Jael have. And yeah. I also want to just kind of go into the impact outside of the classroom within the community because That's our people vital. are suffering right now. There is a deaf culture. You mentioned hip hop earlier. We have lost so many um, figures within that world recently. Mm-hmm. There is violence going on even during a pandemic. pandemic. So mm-hmm. as Black men, we are under attack at so many different angles. Mm-hmm. We are being attacked by our own people. people. We are being attacked by the police. We are being attacked by the media. And after dealing with all of that, like we end up attacking ourselves it's like a self-destruction that flips that switch yeah because it's so much pressure being attacked by everywhere else that it creates this this whole another person so i want to go into that as well absolutely go, go ahead with your question um i actually didn't have a question i actually wanted to i was curious to know about your agriculture project okay you okay so the agricultural project that me and my brother uh, Jael are working on, mm-hmm. it's we have we're starting off in Orangeburg, South Carolina, Orangeburg. which is South Carolina State and Claflin University. Okay, it's, it feels weird saying Claflin. I mean, <laughs> South Carolina State is the is the main HBCU in Orangeburg. Let me stop throwing state, but right. yeah, um, we have two acres of land there. That okay. we have been blessed with being able to uh, really cultivate and produce some crop. We want to produce crops that we can actually put on black dinner tables. Mm-hmm. So it's black grown produce going to black families Families. and being on that dinner table. And we want to grow it and have it all across the state. I feel like it'll go along well with me as a teacher because when I can teach young 
children, the importance of farming, the importance of doing for self, it really ties all in. When you're careful and you know your worth, you're not just going to put anything into your body. Mm-hmm. So want our people to have access to great foods as well as natural medicines, uh, even looking at the holistic side of things, because there are definitely herbal remedies out here to fix a lot of the issues that we as a people deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that kind of segues into something that I'm working on. I'm currently interning at a public radio station and I really love it. And I feel like it gives me the opportunity to truly dive into the community and get the stories of the community out there. And I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and I saw that this mother and daughter were starting up their own black owned grocery store. And I literally was just so thrilled and amazed to see that because to me, it really shows that, you know, we grow up in a community, a lot of black people can't afford to go to Whole Foods to get the best quality fruit. And scratch that, black people, a lot of black people can't afford to get the the good stuff is expensive. That's basically what I'm trying to say. The food that is good for you is the most expensive. And it's, it's frustrating because, you know, they sit there and they tell you, you know, this is what you're supposed to eat. This is what you're supposed to be putting into your body every single day. You can't put these processed foods in your body. It's not good for you. You can't put these sodas in your body. It's not good for you. You can't put alcohol in your body. It's not good for you. That's what I can afford. That's what I can afford. And unfortunately, Black people were prone to these underlying health conditions like diabetes. We're prone to high blood pressure, hypertension, congestive heart failure. We're prone to these conditions simply because the area in which we live in does not provide us with affordable, adequate, fresh fruit. We can't, it's just not being provided to us. Because there's no way a person like me is going to travel 40 miles just to get fresh fruit. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, I definitely uh, feel what you're saying, and uh, that's definitely a, a start, having a, a Black-owned uh, grocery store. Mm-hmm. We have to do for ourselves yeah. and create, and that's one of the main things that me and my brother are striving to create with that project, mm-hmm. and with all the works that we do, we want to emphasize the importance of doing for self because we have to teach like you say that our people can't afford to put certain things in their body but at the same time we can't afford to put what we're currently putting 
in our body we we can't we have paid the cost too much mm-hmm. or we have paid the cost too long and it is flat out too much yeah. for the diseases and all of the suffering because we have people out here eating pork because it's just the cheapest thing that you can get but we know that it's the worst, worst thing for you thing that you can get most toxic thing that you can put in your body and even when you go into whole foods and look at pork is still cheap and it may tell you that the pig was raised in this beautiful setting at the end of the day we know that the pig is a toxic animal by nature Mm -hmm. so you have something that is toxic by nature it doesn't matter if you raise it in a friendly well-kept environment Mm -hmm. at the end of the day that is still a toxic animal that should not be consumed Mm -hmm. pigs are not native to this land it's not something that is native to our people eating so we have to get back to those Mm -hmm. ways of our ancestors the way they carried themselves the way they conducted themselves and even their dietary patterns we cannot be out we cannot continue to eat artificial foods Mm -hmm. And it kind of just goes into a unnatural world, which is what we're living in right now. Yeah. But we have to fight back against that as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all we can do at the end of the day. Definitely. Because we're, as Black people, we're fighting every single day. And it's hard to talk about, but it's nothing but true. And that's what I want to emphasize, that it's not just education. That is one thing that I am attacking or approaching. But I am also dealing with relationships, healing. I am I am dealing with a lot. Mm-hmm. So when I feel like people just say, oh, and I've, I've received this, oh, you're going to be a teacher. You're not going to have this. You're not going to have that. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. They're misunderstanding who I truly am. Mm-hmm. They're looking at me as a teacher. I see myself a revolutionary educator. That's just part of it. But more importantly, I am a revolutionary. There's there's a lot that falls under that activism, creating within the community, healing, building, teaching that's all part of it and as a man that's a part of who i am exactly exactly i just it's just it's crazy but i'm really glad that people like you are really going out there and making a difference in our community because at the end of the day we have to fight for ourselves and fight for each other because who else is going to do it? Definitely. We have to stop fighting one another. Yes. There are times and places where certain stuff may arise and have to be dealt Mm -hmm. with. But as a whole, we have to stop it. I can honestly say that I don't have any beef with no other black men. Yeah. I can say that. And that's that's true. That's real. Mm-hmm. I'm 
I'm not telling you something that I want you to hear. That's that's what it yeah. is. I don't have the capacity to even think about beefing with, with another, another black, black man. man when I am out here dealing with what I am up against. Right. I know who the true enemy is. Mm-hmm. The true enemy of my people, at least, and who has constantly attacked. And I'm not, I may not even be speaking about who people may think I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. I'm just speaking in terms of I know who is the devil. Yeah. Who the devil is. And I know the characteristics of the devil. The Bible teaches that a devil is one who lies, cheats, and steals. And I have observed and I'm able to recognize a devil when I see one. Right. And that's good. Because a lot of people, they they aren't aware. And I really, it's just, it's, it's crazy to say. I just think that it's devastating that, you know, here we are in a community that's already being marginalized as it is. And yet we're finding ways to beef with one another and it's a discussion that people don't like to have but it needs to be had because it's doing nothing for us all of this beef back and forth it's doing nothing it's not benefiting everybody you have to look at who it is benefiting though you you said something very key there in that last part when you say uh it's not benefiting it's not benefiting us, mm-hmm. but who is it? Who are the powers at B that benefit off of black men going at one another, black women degrading themselves through the media? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put no, I, well, I, I will go into it some. So on YouTube, mm-hmm. we know that YouTube creates ad revenue. Yes. And that's how YouTubers make their money, correct? Exactly. There are, they also receive like uh, partnerships. They receive certain donations. There's more that go into it, but ad revenue from clicks and viewership definitely plays a key role. Mm -hmm. So when you have these reporters, now I'm going to speak on DJ Academics. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people is familiar with DJ Academics, and I'm going to use them as an example. Mm -hmm. And I always felt this way since he created the war in Chirac. That's what he called it. And a lot of these nicknames that certain brothers from certain neighborhoods received, he referred to Little Reese as the Grim Reaper. He referred to other people as this demon savage he almost made it he made a mockery out of the culture and dj academics i believe he is a jamaican brother um i don't know if he was born in jamaica came here i don't know his background background enough to speak on that but i will say this he has made a mockery out of our culture and he has made a mockery out of hip-hop and rap that and he added gasoline to what was already a problem yeah he the content that was going up on youtube almost made it like it was a a cartoon series it was 
this person got killed. So now the homies of this person going back to get those people and everything. It, it was every day. It was a new episode of just negativity going on within that community and certain things like in and it has expanded from that where a lot of other people now are doing the same mm-hmm. thing they're reporting on this they're reporting on that and it's even spreading out and just as a whole our community is is hurting yeah. but there are people out there that are benefiting financially they are becoming wealthy off of black men dying. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, when you talk about it not benefiting us, the majority of us don't even have life insurance policies. So even in that sense, our death don't even benefit our closest loved ones. When brothers die, that leaves the family in a troubled position because our people don't even have life insurance. Mm -hmm. So think about that. When you claim that you're beefing with somebody, you're you're beefing with another black man, but you don't even have life insurance. You don't have that money set aside for your mom. Now you done got killed because you was out here talking crazy out the side of your neck and somebody showed you that, you know, they ain't the one to be played with. Now you to put your mom in a troubling situation or whoever in your family that's going to have to pick up that cost. You know, people don't think about stuff like that. It's all cool until you land in that funeral home. And I hate to have to take it there, but that's that's for real. That's yeah. true. And there's been so many brothers whose lives have been cut short. And everyone is not going to receive chance after chance after chance. So we can't even play around with the talents that God has blessed us with. We have to take advantage while we can make the most out of every day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I kind of want to, I don't know, this is, I know this is completely ruining the flow of what I wanted to um, talk about next, but I was just thinking about it. So I was just going to go ahead and bring it up. But um, Black Love, Black Love, what does that mean to you? What does black love yes. mean? What does black love mean to you? And the whole well, notion of how do you feel about the whole notion of, you know, dating and boyfriend and girlfriend and how that all kind of connects with black love? I don't feel like boyfriend, girlfriend connects with black love. I'm going to say that right off mm-hmm. the back. I don't believe in the... Okay title of boyfriend and girlfriend because it's not something that exists within the bible the quran you don't see people being referred to as that so the most important thing when i think about black love is teaching Mm -hmm. healing Mm -hmm. um our people coming together, unity, that's black love. But if you want to take it into relationships, into that sense, black love starts with the family, a structure where you have that divine feminine 
energy, that divine masculine energy. And they come together and create a divine balance and have offspring. That is the purest form of black love, I believe, when you can have black families. That's where it starts with black families. Then we can go into black communities. From there, we create our own black nation. That's how you build a nation. That's how you build unity. And it has to start with the individual mm -hmm. units. That's what black love means to me. Okay. And I completely agree with what you're saying. I think to me, black love does start from the home and it truly is something that is a learning experience. You learn to love. You know what I'm saying? You learn to love. And I feel like when we're born, we are created as these perfect, perfect in a sense, and these pure human beings. And eventually when we get older and we grow through life, we deal with the trials and tribulations of life. Everybody does. There's not one person in this world that has had the quote unquote perfect life. We've all had situations where we've endured something either traumatic or something horrible in our life. And I think what is so detrimental to relationships, especially in the Black community, is we bury those traumas and we don't talk about them. We just sweep it under the rug and we try to just move on with our lives and put that trauma in the back of our brain, you know? Okay, let me let me hop in there. So one thing I left out when I spoke on black mm -hmm. love, love in general, you cannot have love until you truly love Absolutely. yourself. It starts with self. It starts with the knowledge of self. How can you say you love yourself if you don't know are. who you truly are? Yeah. That all ties in. I know I saw something on Facebook mm -hmm. earlier, and it was from one of our sisters. She said, broken boys and girls become broken men and women heal. And that's true. Like, like what you just, that, that speaks to what you just said. We have to heal these things that are dividing relationships yeah I, I truly agree and I think you see people getting in relationships for the wrong reasons you see people getting in relationships because this person looks good that person has this that person has that that person can provide me an escape or whatever the case may be you you rarely see somebody nowadays getting in a relationship because they fall in love and like i will truly say this to all the brothers out there if you out here pursuing the sisters off their looks you done already you done struck out now i'm not gonna say looks don't matter i'm gonna be honest about it looks 
Because your let me see how I can say this. The stuff that it that comes from within, it can show in the physical, if that makes sense. You can tell certain things about how a person lives, how they carry themselves based Their appearance. on yeah. appearance. But appearance right. is not everything. I must say that appearance is not going to raise your children, mm-hmm. brothers. So be very selective mm-hmm. on who you choose to bear yes. children with because it's important. We have to be selective. I speak on this. Sexual discipline yeah. is important. It is very important that we are careful with Lay who we with. Oh, okay, yeah. there you who go. Lay down with. You, you period. Facts. Because and I know it was something that Brother Blue Pill, he said this. I was like 16 and it just mm-hmm. it touched me. He said that a woman's womb is yes. so powerful. And he spoke about like soul ties. He spoke on how if a, a sister is out here, just got a, bro- a bunch of brothers um, inside of her. Uh, all of that DNA being connected. We know that DNA is information, knowledge that just because one man may be the mm-hmm. father, some of that DNA can still be in a child. When he spoke about that, I mm. said, whoa, hold up. It's something I mm-hmm. got to look into deeper. That that kind of like sparked mm-hmm. it right there. But sexual discipline is very yes. important. The purpose of sex is procreation. Mm-hmm. And love. So and love. it's not. It's not about pleasure, though. It, pleasure is something that it has. Our people as a whole have kind of been hypersexualized, yeah. um, where mm-hmm. it's promoted. But the true purpose of sex is yeah, to procreate. I agree, but I, I, and bring more life absolutely. into this world. And I think to add on from my perspective, I think, of course. In the Bible, it says that the purpose of sex is to procreate, like you said. But I truly feel like maybe this is just, you know, the person who wears their heart on their sleeve talking and the hopeless romantic talking. But I truly feel that in order for a man and a woman to procreate in my eyes, I have to be in love with you. I have to be in love with That's you facts. in order to procreate with you. And it um, should wait. It don't always happen like that exactly. in our community. We see that. But that's, yes, that's the way it mm-hmm. should be. And I also wanted to say this. This is for my ladies, my sisters, my beautiful black queens. I truly want to emphasize, like you said earlier, the importance of loving yourself. Don't think that you're going to get into this relationship with a man that you may have met off Instagram or the dude that approached you at the gas station and think. Not the gas station. Yeah, the gas station, the gas station. It's happened. It's happened. Don't think. Yeah. Don't think that just because a man approaches you and gives you that attention 
for that time being that you're gonna find yourself based off of that because you you can't go into a relationship with that kind of thinking you have to already have established within yourself i love myself i know my worth i know that i am a beautiful strong black female black queen and i will not accept anything less than that you have to set your standards when you get into this relationship and you have to set your standards in life period in the work world in your social life you have to display your worth and show people that i am a strong woman who demands respect and if you're not going to give me respect then see ya you know what i'm saying i'm not going to tolerate you you're not a benefit in my life and i truly think that with relationships nowadays i think that people see what they see on the internet they see what they see on the internet they see what they see on social media and they look at it and they think it's goals now you know the whole thing i have to bring it up i have to bring it up the whole thing with um dear and ken that ooh chef ooh chef <laughs> i'm not even going to lie i don't even watch a lot of youtube couples i i really don't i it i don't cuz it's hard to find a true genuine i guess youtube couple family channel if you will it's it's hard to find the one i watch every once in a while i don't watch them as much because you know i'm so busy but i watch um what is their channel it's called the life of us vlogs and it's basically about this girl named anisia i love her because she's very real she's very honest and her boyfriend devonte and they have essentially become this not a blended family but they've created their own little family so anisia has her four almost five year old daughter juliet and you know obviously she had her before she met devonte and devonte came into the picture and devonte took her in and they're raising her together and that's essentially their channel let me hop in, Joy. Let me hop mm-hmm. in. I don't mean to interrupt mm-hmm. you, but our people, and I'm not dis- I'm not disregarding or, you know, dismissing what you're saying about this this YouTube mm-hmm. couple, but we cannot look at celebrities right. for what black love is. Right. We look at even YouTube, TikTok, all these social media. We have to find what black love means for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you were speaking on something so powerful, which I want to go back to it. That's why I didn't want it to get too far away from that. What you were speaking to the sisters. Mm-hmm. I want to speak to the sisters as yeah. well on behalf of some brothers. Because mm-hmm. it ain't just right. me. <laughs> there are brothers out here that's not playing around about you. And that, that's the simplest way I can put it. My sisters... No. When they are in my presence, that they are protected. Mm-hmm. In that protection, that's not just in my presence. Like they know they call me, they need me, anything. We are not playing around about our women mm-hmm. out here. We are not playing around about the babies. We will protect, we will live for, and if it comes down to it, we will die 
on that because we're not going to continue to allow our children and our women to be played with, disrespected, and disregarded by whoever that may be at the hands of. That Those days are done and over with. We are not playing about that whatsoever. We are going to protect and provide for our community. And that's what we stand on. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. And like you said, I just think it's so vital to have that conversation because I think, I don't know, it's just crazy because I'm not saying that, you know, I look to, you know, YouTube couples or celebrities for what Black love is. For me, it is just pure entertainment, just something to look at during my spare time. But I think the reason why I brought that couple up is because of the fact that to me, from what it looks like, they have a genuine relationship. Like sometimes they get to, sometimes when people get to arguing on camera, I'm like, I, I respect that because. I mean, people try to portray this perfect relationship on camera, and then in reality, they hate each other. Now, I just think that I, well, do you have a couple that you looked at in your life and said, you know what, I want to find a love like that? I know for me, it was my great-grandparents. My great-grandparents, when my great-grandfather died in 2004, they had been married for 61 years. Married. Ring on the finger. They had been married for 61 years. And you could tell that they were in love and oh my god I am not about to cry but you could tell that they were in love you could tell that he loved her and I sit here oh my god am I really about to cry and I sit here and I'm like that's the kind of love that I want I want to find somebody that loves me the way my great granddaddy loved my grandma they used to travel the world when they retired, they were traveling. That's what I want. I want to just be with the love of my life and be able to see the world and be able to explore different things. That's what I want to do. And I just think that love is so, love is so beautiful and it's so precious. And people really have tainted the word love. People are just out here saying, oh, love you. I that That's a pet peeve of mine. That is a pet peeve of mine. When somebody says, love you, instead of, I love you. Because they are two different meanings. They are two different meanings. When I tell somebody I love them, I mean it with my whole heart. I say it with my full chest. I love you. Not love you, 